Hey everyone, this is George Soto and you're watching Startups Unedited. Hi, I'm Tomas Mateis uh, from Soto Ventures. And I'm here, we're here with uh, Carlos Espinar, partner at Sitcom. So Carlos, tell us a little bit more about how Sitcom got started and how the ecosystem for startups was back then when you guys uh, first launched. Yeah, so Seedcamp started back in 2007, and in that era, there wasn't that many options for early stage founders to, to, to get pre-seed capital and go through the experimentation process of trying to determine product market fit. So the, the ecosystem came together. Uh, Saul Klein and Reshma uh, founded uh, Seedcamp back then. I joined in 2010. Um, and during that period, that early, early years, it was really about laying the groundwork for a lot of the larger European uh, countries to, to be included in that sourcing process. So there was events that we had in, in all over Eastern Europe and Southern Europe to get companies in uh, to, to our program. And then later, like in 2010-11, we, we even went as far as Singapore and India and, and South Africa. So that's kind of the, the early origins of SeedCamp. So SeedCamp has been around for eight years. How will you say that the ecosystem has evolved since, since then? Well, the, the community or any ecosystem uh, is not just made up of, of people who contribute capital for, for early stage companies. It's also lawyers, it's also advisors, mentors, serial entrepreneurs, angels. And we would have, I would have never guessed that the, the level of maturity that has, um, the market has right now would have, would have been possible as quickly, especially in the last three years. It's been almost exponential. Right. And, and I guess any ecosystem, once it starts maturing, its growth is exponential. Um, and you know, I know that the Nordics have gone through the same transformation, so has Germany. So it, it is very refreshing to see that, that speed of transition, and I, I can just hope that um, we will have that same level of, of access to capital that the Americans have in, in, in the Valley. So you guys are catching up with Silicon Valley real quick? Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, the, the Silicon Valley will always have its unique character. Um, I think the, the goal isn't so much to replicate Silicon Valley as much as it is to have the same level of, of um, uh, connectiveness for, for founders as also having access to capital. Um, right. But it will always have its unique character. Each one of these will have its unique character. So you guys work with uh, founders and startups from different parts of Europe. What would we say that startups and founders from different countries have in common? Yeah, I mean, the, there's, always, there's always funny anecdotes there about you know people from this country have these attributes. There was an article that came out uh, today or yesterday uh, interviewing Tavit and, and Krista from uh, TransferWise, uh, one of our companies, they're from Estonia. And they were talking a little bit about um, how their background growing up in, in Eastern Europe uh, really pushed them to have to build things globally um, because the markets that they were operating in in Estonia in particular is not a very large uh, market to sustain right. a, a company the way that, let's say, maybe France would be or the, or the way that maybe Spain would be. Um, so there's definitely unique attributes that, uh, that come out of specific countries that are very small. You know, we have several investments in Portuguese companies. They have to be global from day one, whereas uh, companies from within larger economies right. don't necessarily need to have that. Right. Um, so like, you know, if you look at it from an economic point of view, there, there are certain attributes that I think I'm comfortable with with saying, uh, relative to the size of the country that in, the founder's in. Then there's other stuff, there's cultural ones, right? And, and these ones are the tricky ones, right? Because this is on the borderline stereotypes, right? I'm originally Latin American, and 
one could argue that um, there are certain attributes of Latin America that, um, that, that are intrinsic to it. And you could say the same thing about the Italian or the Spanish market, the Germans, the Nordics, you know, the design. Is design particularly, is a, is a keen design eye better in the Nordics? I don't know necessarily, but there are definitely companies that have uh, leveraged some of the vestiges of the economy of those areas. So for example, um, uh, if you have high engineering uh, expertise in Eastern Europe because of the universities that were there as part of um, you know, 20, 30 years ago when those universities were set up to have strength in engineering, are we seeing more technologically uh, heavy or design heavy uh, type industries coming out of those areas or, or technically challenging uh, companies coming out of those areas versus in other geographies you might have um, fashion as a, as a key driver for the economy and a, as a consequence you have startups coming out from, from those areas that have that as a strength. Uh, the UK has had media, has had gaming, has financial services. Those are things that are coming out from there. So to, to summarize, we have certain attributes of a country that determine the globalization of the, co uh, the company from the start. And two, then there's industries, that, and industries and educational capabilities of the population which dictate the types of businesses that come out from those specific geographies. We know that SIDCAMP is not only about the capital. Tell us a little, a little bit more about the philosophy behind what you bring to the table when you get involved with a startup? We generally refer to uh, our three pillars as um, the capital, the capital that we, that, that we provide, but is also the, 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 the network of capital that we, we expose the companies to. Secondly, the network. Um, the network isn't just about the capital, as we mentioned earlier, but it's also about the people that you need to meet very quickly. Um, in many ways, you, you wish you could have access to these kinds of things alone, but as you know, uh, a network is, is really stronger by the numbers and when a founder joins SeedCamp, not only are they joining um, the team, the SeedCamp team, in terms of the, the, the shared network that we have there, but also the larger alumni base. So we've invested in 200 companies, just assume two founders per company, of course that's, there's more in many cases. So we're talking about at least 400 individuals that you automatically connected with. To, to sort of expand your own network, whether it be in Asia, whether it be in the Americas, or in, in, in Europe. And then the last part of it is learning. The learning component of the three pillars is really in expediting the, the know-how of a company, how to go to market, uh, how to build a better product, how to talk to your customer, uh, structural elements like those, as well as learning from mistakes that others have made right. so that you don't make those same mistakes. So those are the things, capital, network, and learning. Does the knowledge pillar is, uh, happens like with mentors or with the sitcom team, or how do you yeah. articulate the knowledge pillar? Yeah, so the, the, learning, the learning pillar that, that we sort of encapsulates many things, one of them it encapsulates our, uh, our academy program. The academy program includes everything from um, the lessons learned from companies that have done well and those that have failed. And that can come from both alumni, from our, uh, companies that have already gone through a program, as well as from external mentors, and also from the SeedCamp team. Uh, the SeedCamp team, such as myself and Reshma and the, the rest of the team, have anecdotes that we can share about how companies have overcome certain challenges. That academy program doesn't really have an end. It's, we, we call it lifelong learning. Wow. And although after the first year, it tends to be that most founders uh, start sending their, their hires to the program. Right. So think about it as a free general assembly for, for the rest of your team for life. And so that, that structure uh, covers everything from um, the, the stories 
that our, our previous companies have gone through, as well as external mentors talking about very specific things like um, conversion or optimizing your website or UX and all these other things. So it, it is a, a year-long to infinite program uh, covering everything from the very basics to a lot of the challenges that companies would go through early on, pre-product market fit, to later very specialized subjects. So why is SIDCAMP and organizations alike needed today more than ever in the startup ecosystem? Well, I think, first of all, I, I don't know if the organization that we are today is, um, is very much something that I could say we were eight years ago. It's, we're in evolution as much as, I guess, the entire ecosystem is evolving. Right now, we are, we're the first round of capital that we want a founder to consider, um, both for pre-seed and seed. But when we first started out, um, we were more of a pre-seed uh, structured program, and that's changed. And I think as the ecosystem matures, there's going to be more people that are coming in specializing in different areas. And so we've specialized in this, in this area of pre-product market fit, pre-seed and seed, first round capital. Um, but there's plenty of other options now coming up for structured accelerator programs that might uh, benefit different types of companies, you know, hardware companies or companies that have a footprint in Asia or companies that have a footprint in very specific geographies. Or, so that actually benefits the founder. Provided that there's a shakeout and only the best survive, the more options, the more options um, are available to a founder that uh, cater to the specific needs, whether it be fintech, whether it be hardware, whether it be fashion, whether it be you know, ad tech, it, that, that just helps bring the best to the table for, for the founder to access. Tell us what you think is the future of SeedCamp. The future of SeedCamp, if, if you look at how we have optimized our program and how we've optimized our investments. It's always around finding the best founders and giving them the right resources for them to succeed. And as our, our family grows and as our experience grows, what we're looking for is additional founders to join our family that not only can, can help SeedCamp be successful, but can help other teams be successful. And so the program evolves as the needs that they have evolve. And as the ecosystem matures so that we don't necessarily do certain things, which might involve additional partnerships, which might involve um, expanding our learning program to, to include different areas that we haven't previously covered. Um, it, it includes how much capital we give. So, for example, it could be that um, the, the, the capital that we, we used to offer you know, is not necessarily the, the capital that is required to build a company today. So that's why, as of today, we now offer more choices for a founder to approach us with in terms of the capital that we provide. So all those things are, are things that are constantly under flux and that we're willing to like revisit. And I think one of the things that we pride ourselves in is to not have a legacy of attachment, of not being attached to how we've done things. Right. Rather, looking forward and saying, okay, if the founders are the first thing that we need to be looking out for and their best interest, what do we need to do to change it so that it's constantly relevant for them? Well, that's great. You're saying that as of today, you know, the, the options that you offer when it comes to to capital have changed? Would yeah. you like to go through them? Sure. I mean, when we first started off, um, we would only offer 50K. That was the only capital that we had available. Now we have uh, a range uh, of, of, of uh, options. And on our website, you can go through them right. and look at which ones are relevant for you, which ones are not. But they range everything from people who just want to join our program to those who want to join us at the pre-seed stage and those who want to be part of, of, uh, of the family uh, with us investing as part of a seed investment. So you know that that range can scale up to 250,000, uh, whereas previously it was only 50,000. So Carlos, tell us, startups in what stage do you think are best suitable for for the program? 
So we're looking for all, all companies that have high ambitions, all founders that have high ambitions. I think generally speaking, we're more attracted to companies that, show, that have something to show so in terms of a prototype. Um, prototype or later for our pre-seed uh, and then for seed, usually the best way to get in touch with us is through a recommendation or someone who, who knows us or as part of a syndicated round, so, someone who's leading a round who thinks that we would be able to add value. So if you're in the process, if you're a founder right now in the process of evaluating um, uh, additional investors and you think that we could add value, you know, that's the best time to approach us. And finally, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so we're, we're available uh, online. Um, if you're a pre-seed company, you want to apply, there's apply.seedcamp.com. If you want to email us, uh, we have an info at seedcamp.com email address. Um, but I mean, obviously we're very available on Twitter. And frankly, if you, if you can figure out how to get a hold of us, I think I'm, I'm, I'm a bit concerned. But we're, we're very available online. And um, also in terms of resources, we have a lot of resources available online that maybe get, give you a good feel for how we think and how we operate and, and maybe help solve some of your problems. Uh, I recently published a book called The Fundraising Field Guide. Uh, so if you want to learn a little bit more about kind of how we think through fundraising, uh, it's a free book uh, available on fundraisingfieldguide.com. So you can also do that um, to help shortcut some of the learnings that, that, that you might be considering. Great. I'll include a link to the description. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Carlos, for your time. And I uh, hope to see you soon. Thank you. Gracias.